What is this? What's going on here? What are you people doing here? You can't just lie and cheat and break the rules you don't like. Please, I'm an attorney. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, as always, this stuff in lieu of actual entertainment. Alrighty then. Hello and welcome back. This is Storytime and I am Gamer Dude. Glad to have you with us for some more stories this week. Today we're going back into the editing room and pulling out some of the clips we've taken out of other episodes that I've done that I didn't use in those episodes. I've done this before. I call it a trip to the cutting room floor. What happens as I'm recording episodes, as you might expect is sometimes I go long. Sometimes I ramble. I know, it's hard to believe, right? Gamer dude rambling off topic? Shocking. But it happens. Or sometimes I'll tell a story and it doesn't quite fit what I'm trying to say. It doesn't quite fit the theme that I'm going for. Or sometimes the story is just a little more than I want to say about a topic. So I'll edit things out. But I save them. I save them just in case I want to use them somewhere down the road or for episodes like this. Long-time listeners know I try to keep the episodes between 20 and 25 minutes usually. Sometimes I go a little longer, depending on the topic. But to me, 20 to 25 minutes, that's the sweet spot. If I can stay in the 20 to 25 minute zone, I feel like I've given you just enough to want to listen again. Now, today's episode is going to be a little shorter than 20 to 25 minutes. And it's because I discovered as I was going through these clips, a good number of them are like a minute and a half, maybe two minutes long. And because they're from all different topics over the course of six years, I don't want to fill an episode with two-minute clips that are completely unrelated. It was confusing for me to listen to as I was trying to piece together this episode. I figured it'd be crazy confusing trying to keep track of ten different clips, all two minutes or less long. Well, what the hell's he talking about? So, there's no theme here. These are just clips that I've done over the years. There's an excerpt that I did for my episode on relationships. This is dating do's and don'ts, I guess we could call it. There's a clip about my radio work. There's a clip about some of my cool toys, Hot Wheels, and the You Fly It. I reminisce a little about Pop Tops. And then there's a clip about believing in something. So here we go, some clips from the editing room floor. In preparing for today's episode, I did go through some articles on things like horror stories and dating and red flags on dating profiles. And I had to do that because, as I said, I'm not in the dating field. I'm a happily married man, and I intend to stay that way for the rest of my life. But it does break my heart to see so many people struggle in the dating world. And the fact is, you don't have to struggle. You just have to be a reasonable person with reasonable expectations. Yes, you do have to have a certain level of maturity. Yes, you do have to have a certain level of respect for other people. But I don't think that's asking too much, especially when you're looking for a long-term relationship. But the reason I mention that is because there are red flags that you should avoid in your dating profiles from everything I've read. Number one red flag, don't lie. Just be honest. If you're a garbage man, say you're a garbage man. Calling yourself a sanitation engineer doesn't pretty the picture any better. Just be honest. If you're 5'8 and 220 pounds, you're not tall and thin. So don't say that you are. Don't say that you're wiry. Don't say that you're nimble. Just be honest. You don't have to say I'm a short, fat guy, but don't post your high school graduation picture if you're 55 years old. That goes for men and women, by the way. Whether you're a guy or a girl, don't put a list of demands on your profile. Must have this, must have that. That's not how you meet people. That's not how you present yourself. Have a picture of yourself. Don't have a blank dating profile. Have an honest assessment of what you like in life. Be straightforward. And most importantly, just be yourself. Be yourself. Don't be somebody else. Using somebody else's pictures, using somebody else's accomplishments, using somebody else's words 
That's not you. Present yourself the way you are. Now, are you going to run into other people that have lied about themselves? Of course you are. But you have to learn to read between the lines and understand that that's going to happen. But you know what? The same thing happens in real life, too. Whether you're doing a computer profile or using a dating app or meeting somebody at the post office or developing a relationship with somebody at work, you might tend to exaggerate a little bit. I was captain of the football team and you were really the water boy on the football team in high school. But the problem with lies and stories like that is they will come back to bite you. Whether it's in person or whether it's online, the truth will come out at some point. And it's always hard to come back from a lie, whether it's on a dating profile or whether it's in real life. That's why it's just best to be yourself. Be who you are. And I'm going to go back to what I said at the beginning. You have to remember what dating is supposed to be about. Dating is supposed to be about finding somebody that you want to spend time with, that you want to have a relationship with. And not just a sexual relationship, because relationships are so much more than that. I don't care if you're 25 or 55. Yes, guys want sex. Girls want sex too. But no good, long-lasting relationship is based solely on sex. A good, long-term, long-lasting relationship is based on common interests, communication, shared values. You don't have to be identical. You don't have to like identical things, but you do have to complement each other and you have to be willing to talk to each other about everything, whether it's politics or the right way to make a meatball or how much sunblock to use. You have to be able to talk about that stuff because those are the things that come up in everyday life and those are the things that matter in a long-term relationship. When I was doing my research for this episode, I did come across many, many articles about horror stories from dating, and the vast majority of those complaints and those stories came from women. Now, I don't know what that says about the dating scene, but it doesn't surprise me that most of the men are jerks and most of the women are shocked at how jerky men are. That just seems to be the way the world is. But some of the things that I saw, it's just mind-boggling to me that people say this kind of thing on a date or in a dating app. Like one woman's story was that the first question the guy asked was, what's your cup size? I mean, what's wrong with you? Why would you ask that? Another woman wrote that when she didn't invite the guy back to her place after the date, he grabbed her boob and asked to split the drink bills. I mean, what the hell's wrong with you? I don't understand that. That just boggles my mind that people would act like that. Another woman complained that the guy was on his phone the entire time. Turns out that he was texting with his ex and they were fighting about the fact that he brought this date to the place that he and the ex used to go all the time. I mean, who does that? What mature person does that? What grown-up person does that? First of all, leave your phone off during the date. There's nothing that's more important than that first date. If you've made the time for the first date, spend time on the first date. But then why are you spending time with your ex arguing about where you're taking your current date? That just boggles my mind. Then there's the one where the guy flossed his teeth at the table because he had something caught in his teeth on a first date. It took me five years of marriage before I felt comfortable flossing in front of Mrs. Gamer Dude. This guy's doing it on a first date. What the hell is wrong with people? But you know what? That's where manners come into play. You need manners in society. You need maturity in society. And you need to be a grown-up in society. If you have those things, and then you also understand what dating is supposed to be about, you'll understand dating better and you'll have better dates. Now, I stayed with radio for a couple of years and really enjoyed most of it. There were parts of it that I didn't like. Morning drive hours are horrendous. I talked about the 4.45 wake-up time for limo runs. That's basically a morning drive guy's hours. You get up at 4.45 to make it to the station in time to go on the air at 6 a.m. That's what you did. The other thing about radio work, especially at small stations, 
The station manager is often either the owner or a friend of the owner. And if the owner doesn't like you or doesn't like your sound or doesn't like your style, your days are numbered. I also learned that radio DJs are kind of like baseball managers. They're hired to be fired. I learned as I was there that the shelf life for DJs in most markets is about two to three years. Then they either get bored or fired and move on to someplace else, either a bigger market or a different sounding station. And it's not like you move from small town New Jersey to medium sized town New Jersey to New York City. I learned you move from small town New Jersey to medium sized town in Indiana to medium sized town in Tennessee to large town in New Mexico. And then maybe you're lucky enough to get a gig in LA or New York, or maybe not. And just like the self analysis I did at the end of my first year in the graduate program at Bowling Green, back when I was trying to become a residence hall lifer, I realized I didn't want a career where every two years I'd have to pull up my roots and move someplace else. Don't forget, back at that time, radio was not like podcasting. I'm doing this from the comfort of my home. When you were working in radio, you had to go live in the town where you were broadcasting from. So you would move from New Jersey to Indiana to Tennessee to New Mexico every two, three, or four years. It's a vagabond lifestyle. The Howard Stearns, the Scott Shannons, the Don Imuses, they're few and far between. Most DJs back when I was doing it had to plan a life of a nomad, and I decided it wasn't for me. So I made the tough choice of not staying with it. They did give me other cool toys. We got Hot Wheels. Hot Wheels were awesome. Hot Wheels were cool because not only did you get the little car, But in those early days of Hot Wheels, you could buy track and run your car down the track. And they had a finishing gate that you could put up at the end of the track. So you could run two tracks side by side with two Hot Wheels. You'd slide the finishing gate up the track, which I'll explain in just a second. And the first car through triggered the gate. And you could know for sure who won because the first car would trigger the gate. Now the track, it was just a piece of plastic. It was a piece of plastic with sides. And you would get maybe 12 sections of track when you bought the Hot Wheels race set, there would be a little starting gate that you would mount on the dining room table. And when I say mount, they had a little plastic clamp. It's not like you had to screw it in. You would just clamp it on the table. And then the track, you could connect up to the launch gate, the starting gate. And then there were these little tabs that would connect the sections of track. And so with 12 sections of track, which were about two or three feet long a piece, you would have six sections for each side. And then the finish gate would slide up on the two parallel sets of track. And it had a little device where you could set the finish flag up. And there was a little tab that the cars would nudge when they went through the finish gate. And the first one to nudge the tab would make the flag fall that way. So the two tracks were parallel. You would start at the dining room table at the top. It would be downhill. Gravity ruled because that's the only thing that powered the cars. You'd push the button, release the cars. They would take off at the same time and they'd shoot down this plastic track, go through the finish gate. And the first one to hit the little tab knocked the gate over. And that's how you determined who won. And this is what we called fun because you got to do that once. Then you had to go pick up the car, bring it back up to the top, start it again, rinse and repeat. It wasn't motorized. It was Hot Wheels car on a plastic track that would roll down the plastic track through the finish gate and then out onto the kitchen floor. Then you'd go pick it up and do it again. But that was cool. You had race cars. You had a finish gate. You had a starting gate. That was cool. The other cool thing, it was a toy called the You Fly It. You can look up the old ads on YouTube if you want to. But basically what it was, was a plastic airplane that had a little hook on it that attached to a fishing line. 
Once again, the dining room table came into play. You would clamp one end of the fishing line to the dining room table. Then you'd feed the fishing line through your house across the dining room. You'd sit on the other side of the room. And on the floor, you would put your joystick. And the fishing line was attached to the joystick. So you have the fishing line at a high end at the dining room table and at a low end where the control was while you're sitting on the floor. Then you would take the plane, you'd put the hook on the fishing line, and there was a catch up there that you could attach the plane to. Then you'd go down and sit at the joystick. If you pulled gently on the joystick, it would release the plane and it would slide down the fishing line towards where you were sitting. Now, also in the You Fly It kit was a mock-up of a runway. When I say mock-up, it was a piece of cardboard colored to look like a runway with like 27 on it. So you're landing on runway 27. And you would put that runway right near where your joystick was under the fishing line. And the object was to fly the plane on this fishing line down the line until you were even with the runway and then have the plane touch down on the runway and land smoothly. And you would get to do one flight and then you'd have to get up, go hook the plane back up again, go back and sit down and do it again. And this too was called fun. But don't get me wrong, it was. It was fun. I loved that stuff. I was flying a plane. It was really cool. You would hook that plane up on the stick that was on your dining room table. You'd go sit at the joystick. You'd pull back gently. The plane would start sliding down the fishing line. And in your imagination, you're trying to land it on a runway. They had other things that they could add in there, too. They had a parcel pickup thing where you could dip the plane really quickly, try to pick up a parcel, then pull it back up, and then try to land. That was a tricky maneuver. And you had to do this all in the space of like three seconds because gravity is in control here. Once you release the plane, it was flying and you had three seconds until it got to the landing strip and then you were done. And if you missed it, you had to go reset and start it again. But I loved that. I thought that was awesome. I mean, between the You Fly It and the Hot Wheels, I had some pretty cool toys. Another thing we had as kids, and this is going to sound weird, but this is another vivid memory that I have, the pull tabs off of soda cans and beer cans. When I was little, instead of opening a can where you'd click it open and the top of the can would open into the can and the little clicker, I guess you call it, would stay attached to the can, when I was a kid, that pull tab would pull straight off and you'd have a loose pull tab. It had a little hole in it and then about a one inch sized teardrop piece of metal attached to the hole. So it would be a ring with this teardrop piece of metal that covered the opening. And what people would do is they'd pull open their cans and toss that pull tab away. And then they'd drink their soda or their beer. I mean, if you know the song Margaritaville, Jimmy Buffett sings about cutting his heel on a pop top. That's what he's talking about, the pull tab. That's how old that song is. He stepped on a pop top, cut his heel, and had to cruise on back home. Well, the pop top was everywhere because Americans are litterers. So he would open the pop top and just toss it aside. I remember as a kid collecting those pop tops and making a chain out of them. Because what would happen is that teardrop shape of metal would fit perfectly into the little ring on the pop top. So you could lace them together. You would take one pop top, lace the teardrop piece of metal through the ring of the next pop top, fold it over. You had two links in a chain. I actually used to have a hat where I made a chain out of pop tops and put it around the brim of the hat because I thought it looked cool. But you could make chains as long as you had pop tops. You could make 100, 200, 300 link chains because pop tops were everywhere, everywhere. I think that's why they changed the pop tops to those, whatever they call them now, those openers where it just puts the piece of metal inside the can and the little lever that pushes the metal into the can stays attached to the can. I think they did that because Americans can't be trusted to throw their pop tops away. 
But pop tops, they were everywhere. The last thing I want to share with you is that you should believe in something. Now, I'm not advocating religion. Religion is certainly one thing to believe in. And if that's the thing you want to believe in, that's fine. I'm not saying be a Catholic or a Protestant. I'm not saying be a Hindu or a Buddhist. I'm not saying be Muslim or Jewish. I'm not saying be an agnostic or an atheist. What I'm saying is you can go down any of those roads. But whatever road you go down, believe in it and live it completely. But understand what you're believing. And by that, I mean, don't be one of those fake religious people. And you can pick whatever religion you want as the point of reference. No religion that I know of advocates the extermination of all of the other religions. All of the religions that I know of advocate the supreme being. And we've talked about this before. Whatever your choice of supreme being is, or if you have no supreme being at all, that's fine too. But no supreme being is advocating the extermination of everybody else. It's just not how it works. And if you think that's how it works, then maybe you'd better revisit the true tenets of whatever religion you think you're following. Because whatever your religious affiliation, whatever God you believe in, assuming you believe in God, God is love. God is about caring for your fellow man. And if you don't believe in a God, the brotherhood of man, for lack of a better term, the brotherhood of man is about taking care of each other. So that's what you should be believing in. That's what you should be advocating. So keep that in mind when you're practicing whatever religion or non-religion you have. Believe it, but understand it and know what you're supposed to be doing. And what you're supposed to be doing is caring about each other. If that's not the prime tenet of whatever your belief system is, then either you're misunderstanding it or you're not as religious or as humanitarian as you think you are. So you might want to take a look at that. So there you have it, a mixed bag of unused clips from the first five seasons of Storytime. Oh yes, there's more too. I just got to figure out how to use them most effectively. But in the meantime, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for being a part of things. As always, I really do appreciate your time and your support, and I can't thank you enough. Until next time, you guys take care of yourselves. And I'll see you when I see you.